2: Blazin Powers is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals of last-minute tickets. Did you know Blackhawks tickets tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. You know, Personally, I when I get on the side, I, I love how you can see the panoramic views, you can see where, exactly where you're sitting. Uh, you know what sort of view you're gonna have when you have the tickets and when you get there, it, it's 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 what they sell you. so it's uh, it's easy to see where you're gonna sit and and how the it's gonna look where you sit. So uh, so go ahead to the App Store or Play Store now to download game, game time and score awesome deals on last minute tickets. It's not about me. I'm only here for a minute, and I know that I can't fix it. I can help even just a little bit. Won't you let me try?
0: Hello and welcome to the latest Laz and Powers. I'm Mark Lazarus. I'm joined by Scott Powers. Uh, it's Monday morning, and uh, Twitter's mad about the shootouts, and you know what? I can't blame them. Um, the, the Blackhawks lost in Dallas, uh, in a shootout on Saturday night, a great game. Uh, and it came down to a shootout and Robin Leonard freely admits he's bad at shootouts. Uh, went on Twitter yesterday, openly soliciting advice, kind of sarcastically, which I appreciated. Scott, what do you think about shootouts? Is it time we do something
2: about them and get rid of that? Yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, I think everyone's, oh, the Blackhawks just recalled Matthew Highmore. Oh, well, there
0: you go. Breaking news. Breaking news, um, I guess Drake Jewel is going to be out for a little while longer.
2: Then, yeah, it was. I, I was curious who they might recall, and they, they had a. Yeah, it was interesting. Highmore. I feel or like it, it was either
0: going to be Highmore or Vadine. I think, given that they were bottom six guys that were out.
2: Yeah, um, that's interesting. So, um, yeah, no, for sure. I, I, I wish they got rid of shootouts, and I wish they changed the point system. It's. Um, uh, Overtime games are just rewarded too much, you know. Winning regulation has no significance, um, and and there's too much parity. It just it's all the teams are clumped up, and I, and I get that's as positive in some ways, but it's it's also rewarding. you you're really good, you know or, or penalizing your really good teams, and, um, and and then having a game decided a point that's it's often important. These teams decided by something like a shootout, where it's uh, uh, obviously both both goalies were, were pretty impressive the other night, but then it having to come down to that where um you know Leonard who's arguably one of the best goalies all season in, in an area that he struggles in and um and they lose the game they lose the point and um i'm sure he's frustrated in some way and but also kind of realizes you know recognizes what what the reality is so um yeah i i, I would you know if you expect extend the three on three for a little bit longer you know uh um i think eventually the teams are going to score you know like it's it's not going to be one of those things are going to be all all night i, I would imagine
0: yeah, Jonathan Taves after the game said, you know, he'd like, he, he, he thinks that the Blackhawks are particularly good at three, and three, three on three, and they do have a lot of high end talent guys, which makes sense. Uh, so he'd like to see it extended 10 minutes, because if it goes to 10 minutes, you're hardly ever going to see shootouts. Um, yeah, I, I'm torn on it. Like, when, when shootouts first came out, I was one of the few people who kind of liked them. Like, I never thought it was a good way to decide a hockey game, but I found them exciting. It was fun to see that's kind of the skills brought out and, and to watch Patrick Kane in Detroit. You know, slow down and do like a thousand deeks and score It was really cool. But we've we've seen them all a thousand times. Other than like the 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 javelin kind of goal that we saw in the KHL a couple of years ago, there's nothing left to do. There's no like, oh my god, I can't believe he did that kind of goals in a shootout. We've seen everything that can be seen. So even the the moderate fun of a shootout has been lost. Like it's just not fun anymore. Nobody cares. You know, uh, Sean well, Macdonald, you 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 know, Down to, Goes I mean, Brown at the Athletic wrote he, he changes the channel.
2: I, I just leave it to the all-star game you know have have a shootouts and all-star games and sort of like the slam dunk contest make it this uh this premier event of the all-star game and, and bring guys that allow them to bring you know to bring their creativity out and have some some fun with it but uh for it to be deciding games you know like i, I just i don't see um i don't see how you're rewarding the best team and, th- and that's the goal you know uh, again with the point system too i don't see how you're rewarding the best team if if two points are valued the same of winning regulation as they are winning a shootout. And I, I think, uh, yeah, it, it was, it, it had its purpose and it had its time. And I, I think, I, I think for the most part, everyone's a little bit frustrated with it. And, um, you know, it's, it, this is the things that are deciding playoff teams and, you know, teams who get right. in and who, who are, are out. So it, it certainly has a, has a factor on the season.
0: Well, you know, a couple years ago, I I was at the All-Star Weekend. I went around and I talked to everybody, every player and every coach I could find, because I wanted to talk about the 3-2-1 point system they used in international play. Three points for a regulation win, two points for an overtime win, one point for an overtime loss. That way you wouldn't see teams shutting it down with 10 minutes to go in the third period of a tie game, even if... You know, especially if it's a, if it's an inter- interconference game where it doesn't really matter, if the other team gets a point. Chris Hine used to call that of the Tribune. He used to call that the gentleman's point. We've entered gentleman's point territory, and uh, <laughs> I love the idea. But the problem is the league. The league will never change it. They'll never change it because Gary Bettman loves the faux parody that the loser point creates. It protects jobs. Coaches like it because it protects their jobs. Hey, you know, hey, we were only five points out of a playoff spot because we lost 300 times but got a lot of points out of it. GMs like it for the same reason. Uh, It makes everyone look a little better than they actually are. I think players would like it, and I think it would be better because – you know the problem it's so hard to make up ground in the NHL standings like that's why that the American Thanksgiving set that everybody always talks about if you're not in the playoffs by American Thanksgiving, you're not going to make the playoffs and it's it, it holds relatively true because it's so hard to make up ground because so many games become these three point games where you only make up one point and it's really hard you have to you have to do like what the Islanders or capitals or stars have done have these ridiculous point streaks to really make up any ground.
2: I, yeah, I remember. I think Joel Quinville was asked like what he'd changed with the league, and he wanted to add more more teams to the playoffs. They, they're all looking to save their jobs, you know. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. And I and I don't think there's any incentive for the league to do it. It, it would have to be something that the team, the players push for in the CBA or, or something that you know it's, you probably have to give up something to get something. So I don't expect it to happen. But um, I always love when those people put out the uh, to put out the records just based on regulation and and those type of things to see who's sort of the legit teams and right um I, I don't think the Blackhawks have won a whole I guess they went, had probably more regulation wins now but there was a stretch there where they only had a couple so um you wrote about uh for today you wrote about Kirby Doc, and um you talked to I think it was almost it was sort of 18 people about Kirby Doc for the 18 year old what uh what, what do you find fascinating as you as you went around the room and talked to different guys about him
0: well, the, the most common answer was his confidence. Like you don't expect an eighteen-year-old to come in to a, a relatively veteran team like that and just feel like he belongs. And I think you and I noticed that about him from the from the right, right when he came back from the concussion and training camp. He's like, you know, we're like, oh, are you hoping to get a couple of games, and he's like, no, I'm planning to be here all season. And he was pretty, uh, he was pretty ballsy about it. He really thought he belonged, and he plays that way. I, I forgot which guy I talked to so many people. I forgot which guy it was, but said that that cop. I think it was Robin Leonard. It, it might have been. Uh, Talked about how because he has that confidence, he's out there trying to make plays that, you know, an 18-year-old normally wouldn't try. Like, he's putting the puck between his legs. He's making aggressive runs at the net. He's doing things that veterans do, but that most rookies are afraid to do. So the confidence, the confidence to go out and take hits, the confidence to make plays, the confidence to truly feel he belongs, you know, whether it's fourth line, second line, power play or not power play. No matter what role you put him in, he thinks he can do it, and he's shown that he can.
2: Yeah I I I guess when you're that you're that good and you get drafted high like you you're maybe not as humble I mean I I think there's some humble to you know, humbleness to him but like I think Kane was that way too where you just he sort of knew that he was pretty good you know like there's uh there's a little bit of that swagger coming in and I, and I think Doc had some of that you know when you're uh I think you're that highly touted and you know when you're yeah I don't know what just I feel like you're that you're that young too you know I, I know doing that story about um, you know him taking all those hits and him saying that you know basically he's invincible he <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't <laughs> care um, it's it's just yeah i don't know there there's i i think it's a positive too you know i i think you want that in an eighteen year old that's gonna come in and play he wants more ice time he wants he wants to be on the power play and um and i and I think he's certainly shown that he deserves that and um i'm I'm still curious to see how this over this next month you know whether they uh, deciding to set him to World Juniors, kind of see where this season goes. Because I don't think, I don't think the Blackhawks have decided completely that he's here for the entire season. I, I think this next month will kind of determine what they, what they see for him and whether it's beneficial to send him to the World Juniors. I, I know, I'm sure Canada would be happy to have him, but um, yeah, I mean, through whatever it is, 15 games or whatever he's played now, he he certainly. Um, he's been impressive, you know. Just you didn't know what to what to think. You certainly didn't think he'd probably be here, but for him to to be this, and I was going through some of the five on five numbers yesterday, and especially when they when they've opened up this offense for this last eight games, um, you know, Cave's number Kane's numbers are are, are huge, but then Doc Doc has the second most amount of five on five goals during this period. So um, you, you see him as he gets more confidence and just gets more comfortable that his his offense is produced. You know, he's just he's certainly getting. Uh, getting a lot of those chances uh, and and putting
0: them away. He's producing at a higher rate than Jack Hughes or Capo Caco, who are in much bigger roles, you know, getting much more power play time and getting, you know, 16, 17 minutes a night. Doc's doing it 10, 12, 14 tops. Um, It's been really impressive, and... it's funny because I, I've been getting some responses to the story where people are like, you know, everybody wanted Bo and Byram. You and I got a lot of that over the over the, the draft process. Everybody wanted Bo and Byram. And I'm getting a lot of people that are saying, you know what? I was wrong. I like this kid. I'm glad we got this kid. I got one guy who hashtagged Keep Stan. That's the first <laughs> time I've ever seen that hashtag. So uh, it, it's one move that the Hawks seem to have done right. And uh, the kid's got a real bright future. I mean, he's 18 years old. He's three years away from being as old as Dylan Strom is. That's how young this guy is. So he's your number one center of the future. That's the hope. That's the, you know, he's got a long way to go before he can usurp Jonathan Taves' role. But that's that's the that's the transition plan. Is at some point Jonathan Taves becomes your lockdown third line center, and Kirby Dock is your top guy.
2: Yeah, and, and I guess it, in the I guess we'll see what the other guys become too. Like it wasn't it wasn't so much. I guess when you talk about Bowen Byram, obviously the the Blackhawks' need for defensemen and. Um, and maybe that Boquist wouldn't fit the exact defensive role that you hoped. And, you know, Bodan's didn't need time. And uh, Mitchell wasn't coming. And then they trade well, I guess they hadn't traded Yoki Haru yet at that point. But um, you sort of thought they needed to stock up on defensemen. And, and we'll, so we'll see what Bowen Byram is. And even in Alex Turcotts, it's killing it at Wisconsin. So um, regardless of those guys pan out, as long as the Blackhawks get one that does, that does flourish, I, I don't think it really matters what those other guys become. I, th- I think the whole talk about. And Byron was at least about the defense. And, um, you know, I think that was a big part of that conversation. Um, yeah, I- er- Eric curious.
0: Gustafson. I, I want to say Eric Gustafson compared him to Matt Sundin. That's some seriously <laughs> lofty praise. And Zach Smith said he's basically the same as Eichel and Matthews. So, I mean, if you get anything remotely close to that, that's a home
2: run pick. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I- I'm curious. You-, you think Highmore gets in the lineup here? Or you think they or, or he's he's obviously Jeremy Colliton. obviously isn't happy with with Dominic Kubalik and uh, even I, I don't know he, I, I continue to see him just he's one of the few guys that seems to create scoring chances after yeah, every, I don't get that in, at all in every game and, and last game was the case too where he's just robbed um, but but again he plays under I think he played fewer than nine minutes and um, I, I wonder if he you know Carlton really hasn't used the ahl is a way to kind of you know set a fire on anybody and obviously having that extra forwards help to you know put guys in and out but i, I wonder if I wonder if he does this with highmore you know Highmore has a little bit of offense potential he he's certainly played play a bottom six role um you know i i look at even someone like nylander you know he, he had that two goal game recently but he's only produced points i, I think in one of those last 10 games so uh, it, still some of those young guys, some of those rookies, you know, Kublik's not exactly young, but a rookie that there's some of the inconsistency there. That I wonder if he uh, maybe uses someone like a high more to kind of, you know, set that fire.
0: Yeah, the Neilander thing's becoming an issue because he's been not good lately. I mean, he had the two-goal game against Nashville. Those both came late in a blowout. But other than that, he hasn't scored a point since November 3rd. And he's on a top line. He's dragging Taves and Saad down with him right now. Uh, he was about to be a healthy scratcher member before Kajula got hurt. so And he, he he managed to stay up there. At some point, you got to change that up. You need to see, you know, Kub, again, I, I'm with you. Kubali seems like he creates as much as anybody out there per 60 minutes. I'd put him up there. Um, maybe give Doc a spin up there, put, put him on the wing up there. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, he's basically playing wing on that fourth line anyway. He's the center, but he's not taking draws. So uh, give someone else a chance up there. Nylander's had a really long run at it, and he's not producing. He's not... He's not proving worthy of that spot right now. Light a fire under him by dropping him down in the order uh, in the lineup or, or even scratching him, and, and and yeah, give Highmore a chance. Like, it, It's weird that it's taken this long for the Hawks to even call someone up because they had an open roster spot and Kajula got hurt. He's been in concussion protocol for over a week now. Um, it was weird that they went to Dallas without the extra four. We saw what going with seven defensemen looked like, and it never works. It never worked for Joel Quenneville, and it doesn't work for Jeremy Colleton. So I'm surprised it took this long in the first place just to call someone up. But I don't see the point of calling up Highmore if you're not going to try him. You've lost three in a row. Look, they played a gr- very, very good game against Dallas. That was a terrific hockey game between two teams playing very well and two goalies that were just spectacular. Leonard and Hudobin were phenomenal. You played really well, but the fact is you've lost three games. You have to try to shake something up. The offense isn't there right now. Uh, you got to get something back. And I think having Nylander on that top line is not doing it.
2: I, I want to go back to that seven defenseman in, in- – and 11 forwards. Um, I, I think it, I think Quinville did it late in his uh, late in his tenure and basically admitted afterward, well, that didn't really work. And yeah. and, and we saw it, it we, we it didn't work often. And then, yes, or when he when Colleton did it two games ago, um, you know, his reasoning was that he obviously wasn't happy with Kubalik, but also wanted to give. Slater cuckoo his uh, game against Tampa. Then, and then scratch he, he was,
0: another defenseman, Jeremy. Just don't do it to seven defensemen. Yeah,
2: and and then then I, I asked them about it the following day. Just his philosophy. I was I was curious, and uh, he, you know it was, it was there was uh, wasn't a whole lot of intent. I just wanted to get sort of his thoughts, and he, he sort of he got defensive again. You know, saying that it's an issue that shouldn't be an issue, and you know teams win by this. But it, there's been a few times where he just. I don't know if he just gets ticked off with those or just frustrated, but with the lineup thing or this, we're just uh, – certainly we write about it, and I think we have our own views about it. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It just, it just it caught me a little bit where that he, you know, saying that this shouldn't be an issue and, and teams win by this. And, I, yeah, I don't know if there's this much evidence. You know, I was I was trying to do some research, and it's hard to find – uh, you know, there's there's not an exact uh, format to find when teams play seven defensemen, 11 forwards, and, you know, just from doing Google searches from this past year, it, it seems like teams are losing more often than not. I, I just, I think it just, it, it, it disrupts the rhythm of uh, of your forwards and your defensemen, and I get getting one, you know, you know, you want to have Kane out there as much as possible. And he thought this was the avenue toward that. But um, I, I feel like sitting a forward is almost better than, than doing what, you, you know, adding a defenseman and disrupting the pairings and some guys sitting here. And um, yeah, I don't know. I just say it, it seems like it disrupts the whole flow of the game.
0: Well, I, I have a couple of thoughts on that. First, when, when Quenville did it, he did it a lot in like the 2013, 14, 15 seasons. But when he did it, he made a defenseman a winger. We had left-wing Sheldon Brookbank for, like, a seven-game span. We had right-wing Mike Costco. We had left-wing Rob Scuderi. Like, he did that a bunch of times, but he didn't want to mess with the pairings, so he just put a defenseman in a bottom six role, and it was kind of weird. But late, late, the last couple of years of Quenville, he did it a few times where he did seven defensemen and tried rotating the pairings. And every time he said afterwards, yeah, I should not have done that. That didn't work. Because you do have guys going <laughs> back and forth. But the second point i want to make you you kind of mentioned this is, is Colleton gets a little defensive about some things the one thing i've noticed about this team they seem to be reading the press which i never i never got that from the blackhawks before but you have Colleton mentions the line combinations aren't the problem when we were all writing about how the line combinations were the problem he uh this thing the seven defensemen everyone's talking about the seven defensemen um, uh, Robin Leonard talking about you know talking about oh the media says that and he was like half joking but he's like media ca- I'm all I'm all ears you tell me how to do good in the shootout and um and then you had when I did this Kirby talk thing I had like five or six guys say well I know the big story has been that he's taken too many hits which is something that you've written and we've talked about a lot yeah, I feel like they're more in tune with what we're writing either what we're tweeting about or what we're writing than teams in the past, and it's it's always been hard to tell who who cares and who's reading what we write. But I never got that vibe. Like if they were reading it, they weren't letting us know they were reading in in in, in the past several seasons. Where it
2: seems like this season, they're really in tune with what we're writing about, which is weird. Yeah, I, I know Robin Leonard definitely reads it. Like I was in, uh I think it was in Nashville before, uh, after the morning skate, and and he was on his phone and he pulled up the Kirby Doc story about the hits and. Was reading Doc's quote about uh, that's good. He's a uh,
0: subscriber, yeah. Attaboy.
2: Yeah. Um, well, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> hopefully, he subscribes and he's not given the uh, given a password. So um, it's. Uh, but yeah, he was, <laughs> well, he he was, just, was a little he, uncomfortable because it was he was reading <laughs> out the quotes from the story and it felt a little strange. But uh, I, I think it was more of his point was reading. Doc's quote about how this is where he goes and makes some money and that he's going to play this way for, you know, regardless <laughs> if he gets hurt. But, um, but yeah, you, like you don't, you don't, you know, sometimes you'll get a guy one on one and they, they sort of refer to something or, or you mention something and, and you realize that they've read it. But for the most part, they do a pretty good job of, uh, uh you know, I mean, Joel, Joel, barely, you, you know, Joel was able to hide it whether he knew our names or not. So he certainly didn't, <laughs> certainly didn't say whether he was reading our stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah I don't yeah there's, there's certainly that sense that the uh, yeah especially with Robin Leonard I, and, and he's so vocal that I I wonder if he's also spreading the word around the room what's what's being written
0: well well let's not forget Robin Leonard he wrote a story for us that was his big uh, where he he, he he laid out all of his mental health issues in a first person story he wrote for the athletics so there's that um, maybe he does get a password for that I don't know he's, he's an author for us <laughs> um, but uh, I, I don't know I just found it interesting I like I, I know like the PR team, they always print out all the clips. They put all of our stories into, like, a, a packet, basically. They print them all out, um, and they leave them blank around the locker room. So they've always been there, and I've always figured that a lot of these guys were reading. But I just – I don't know. It's weird. I was wondering if you had that same sense because I just noticed that this year that it's been a little more prevalent. Hey, Scott, hang on a second. I want to talk about DoorDash for just a minute here. Uh, I was sitting in my hotel room in Dallas. I don't know if you've ever been to downtown Dallas, but there's nothing in downtown Dallas – and I didn't rent a car, and I was too lazy to get an Uber. I had a whole season of Simpsons to get through on Disney Plus, so I wanted some food. So I, I called up, I went onto DoorDash, and I was looking around. And I found all these great options. I wound up settling on some barbecue because I was in Texas, and when you're in Texas, you gotta eat some barbecue. I found a local joint that was about a mile and a half away. Uh, within 25 minutes, I was sitting there eating brisket and pulled pork and uh, and uh, some sweet tea and some cornbread, and it was delicious. And I got five dollars off because I used the Blackhawks uh, promo code that we have. So. Uh, um, with door-to-door delivery in all 50 states and Canada, you can order from your local go-to's or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, Cheesecake Factory. You know, don't, let, don't worry about dinner. Let dinner come to you with DoorDash. And right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more, that's what I just did, when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code BLACKHAWKS. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code BLACKHAWKS. One more time, that promo code is Blackhawks for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. Um, I forgot the name of the place I ordered from already, but if you're in Dallas, it's barbecue. You'll be fine. Call up DoorDash. They'll get it for you. All right, now back to the show. Uh, let's get into some uh, reader issues here, um, if I can call it back up because I'm unprepared as always. Um, being flooded by Matthew Highmore tweets. Um, any ideas on how to fix Northwestern's offense? Sorry, Nihilist Coach Fitz, I don't. Maybe uh, getting a new offensive coordinator would help. Um, all right. Rat Pack Ray wants it. What do you make of the Babcock firing? And do you see GMs and owners keeping a closer eye on coach and players' relationships? Now, that's been interesting. I don't know if you saw the stuff yesterday. I think it was the Toronto Sun. And then uh, um, Ian Tulloch uh, commented that, you know, Babcock had uh, a player rank everyone in terms of their work ethic. And then Babcock read it out to the team. And it was Mitch Marner, apparently, just humiliating a player and putting him in an awkward position. It, 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 it's well known that the players hated Mike Babcock. Like, mm-hmm. everywhere he's gone, players have hated Mike Babcock, um, which is one reason that I think he's a bad fit for the Blackhawks. But it is interesting. We, we've reached a different era now where these hard-ass coaches, they don't really fit. Like, Sheldon Keefe comes in, he's a players coach. Jeremy Calden, he's a great communicator. Like, it seems like we're going to that like that old-school coach seems to be kind of, you know, Daryl Sutter type maybe going out the window here.
2: Yeah, I, I would think so. I, I think... Uh... You know, even with Joel Quinville, I mean he was sort of this old school coach, but he also had this player I, I think he was known as a player's coach, you know? So Oh, it was the country a, club
0: atmosphere, absolutely, for the veterans, yeah.
2: Yeah, and, and, and someone had told me that uh, just they, they thought uh how Babcott responded to the losing sometimes also was was, was different than than Quinville who you know, it was a player who was kinda of familiar with both both coaches and just he he thought even with Joel that it was um when when things were bad, like you you didn't feel like it on top of you as much, and with Babcock it was a little bit different. So, um, yeah, I, I imagine the GMs, you know, they sometimes, I'm sure they want to have, get a handle on these things and uh but even the even that I mean this has happened within the last few years and we just heard about it now so it's uh, I don't know how much of those cultures are different I mean we certainly have a new generation of coaches coming in and uh younger coaches getting you know kind of replacing old ones but yeah I don't know I, I you know it's, it's it's not like we heard about this while it happened and it was certainly accepted for a while I'm sure it was something that Kyle Dubas knew about or or whispers about and it was allowed so um it's it's all in the aftermath you know i i don't i don't know I, I i'm not sure it doesn't it doesn't sound like anyone stood up or made it known that it was that it was wrong and um it's only now that we we hear about it so i i'm uh i'm sure it's something that no one wants to happen but it, it may still happen yeah i mean i mean
0: I, it's, it's it's no secret that players are different now than they were 20 30 years ago they're you know they're maybe a little more coddled they're maybe used to like a more positive reinforcement. And for what it's worth, that's not like a bash on millennials and, and, and gen wires. They should be like, it's, it, we shouldn't be abusing people to get them to play hockey better mentally or any other way. So I'm all for it. I'm all for play. I'm all for coaches who are able to sit down and talk to a player man to man and not just scream their heads off at them. I think that's a positive. That's, you know, there's going to be the Don Cherry types. I think, ah, oh, yeah, 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 soft.
2: They're snowflakes.
0: I'm all for it. I'm all for treating human beings better at any, in any profession. Um, and I think one part for, of it, too, oh, is
2: that you've seen performance coaches, and I, and I think the whole psychology of hockey on and off the ice is, is certainly something teams have addressed, too, where, you, where people are aware of mental health. And, um, you know, a lot of it's to improve on-ice performances, but I, I think it's also there, you know, the psychologists, to, to help players through tough times and get through tough things. So uh, I'm sure bullying is part of it if, if a coach is doing that, that um, – a lot of those things are being addressed off the ice too. too. I, I think teams, at least organizations, are are putting more value in the mental health of players,
0: which they should. That's a good thing. Um, Mike asks: Currently, do you see the Blackhawks as buyers or sellers at the deadline? And if so, who would be moved? Now, that's an interesting question. We're obviously a long way off from there, but I guess I guess I would rephrase it to you differently. What would it take? for the Blackhawks to become buyers at the deadline. What, what, Where would they have to be? Would they have to be on the bubble, on the inside of the bubble, or just outside of the bubble? What's it going to take for this team to go for it this year after not having won a playoff series in four years?
2: Yeah, I think it's anywhere near the bubble. I think there's incentive for uh, this management to, to get in the playoff this year. Um, I, I just wonder how you do that. Part of it is that they don't have any cap space. Um, uh, they have a lot of guys they brought in, a lot of young guys uh, that are in the lineup. There's not a lot of whole, a lot of pieces that are movable, or, or even pieces the Blackhawks may want to move. Um, uh, you know, some guys have underperformed that they they certainly brought in and probably thought more of. Um, but are those guys tradable? I, I don't. I'm um, I, I trying to think how the Blackhawks. You know, maybe the Blackhawks had some. Obviously, they had cap space, the one year and fifteen. Um, Thirteen, they they barely they ended handsu, so you, you, you know you didn't have a lot of a lot of space. Um, I mean, right now they're right. Or a lot the of ceiling. holes to fill, either. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I, it's I, I think there would be incentive to become buyers if they're near the bubble, just because getting the playoffs will probably mean a lot to people keeping their jobs and certainly uh, how the, everyone feels about this organization. You know, regardless of what happens in the playoffs, as long as they get in, there's probably a better feeling. Um, I, I just i don't i don't know how even if they're buyers what what exactly you can do i mean uh i guess you look at guys like Zach smith who's got a little bit of a larger cap hit but i don't know i mean Zach smith's got another year on his deal um it, it'd have to do something like that where you free up some cap space to to bring someone in because they're they're so they're so tight with it right now
0: yeah i think you brought up the good point which is that you know, normally, management's playing a long game here, but at some point, you got to play for now, but you're not going to be able to play the long game because you won't be here anymore. So I wonder at what point Stan Bowman reaches that where he's willing to sacrifice the future to win now. Every GM goes through it. Every GM's been there at some point in their career where they have to win now or the future's going to be someone else's to worry about anyway. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they get to that point. Uh, here's one for you. It's from Chris DeBlasi. Uh, does Ian Mitchell sign after his after Denver seasons this year? Does he make the roster right away? Does he stick around if the Hawks make the playoffs? What do you see there?
2: Uh, I, I think it, I, I think Mitchell will sign. There, there's there's incentive for him to sign. It, it doesn't you know he'll he'll burn that year. Uh, get closer to, uh, you know, his second contract. I don't think you want to go back to college. You know, everyone brings up Kevin Hayes. Kevin Hayes was a different situation where Kevin Hayes wasn't that good, good as junior year in college. He and the Blackhawks agreed that he should go back to school, and then and then he blew up, and then he, uh, you know, moved on from the Blackhawks and um, Mitchell. I don't think there's. Uh, I, I think he's very set on coming out and turning pro and there's not much else to prove. Um, the question is whenever his season ends, it's Denver's among the top teams in the country, you know, in the top five. Um, they, they could go really far. I mean, it's hockey, so they can they can go really far or they can lose early in the tournament. Um, either way, they'll make the NCAA tournament. Um, if they get done early, I, I would expect that he signs and joins the team. Um, and I guess it depends on where the team's at that point, whether whether he steps in. I'm sure he, you know, they usually like to get those guys a game. But if they're right in the heat of a playoff mix, and, and there's someone that's not ideal to sit down, then maybe not. But um, I, if his season ends soon enough, I would expect them to burn that season and him to join the team, and then everything else kind of fall into different factors.
0: All right, I know you got to run and get to practice. I want to I want to go back to the opening topic real quick though. In, in Robin Leonard's mm-hmm. tweets, he said the shootout is not hockey. So I got to learn this sport somehow. I love that, by the way, because the shootout is not <laughs> hockey. But here's the thing: neither is three on three. That's not hockey either. It's just as gimmicky. It's a little less gimmicky, but it's still gimmicky. It's not. It's not hockey. It's it's a, it's a free for all there. And I love three on three. Everybody loves three on three. But it's still a stupid way to decide a game. Bring back ties is what I'm saying.
2: Well, I, I don't. An idea that, that nobody will I, get behind. I do agree with you. It's, <laughs> I guess it's all varying degrees of gimmicky, right? Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, so, what, uh, so you get the All-Decade team this week, right?
0: Yeah, I think it's on Wednesday it's coming out, the All-Decade team, which was harder to put together than you think. And Scott and I did a whole podcast breaking it down and analyzing it and yelling at me for it. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, that's the end of the show. We'll see you on Thursday, and uh, bye, Scott. Bye.
1: Won't you let me try?